Happy Friday, everyone. On today's show, we're going to take a look at the tenure of Gary Bettman as NHL commissioner and ask if it's time for him to retire. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner from Locked On Flyers. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always on Fridays with Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. You can find him on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. Gil, how are we doing today? I am good. It's Friday. How bad could it be? Exactly. Thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Plus, you can watch us over on YouTube. So on today's show, we are going to talk about the Gary Bettman era. We're going to start with the highs and lows. And I think probably the thing that is the biggest part of his legacy is expansion and specifically like the southern warm weather expansion yeah that that really set him apart in a lot of ways from his predecessors and it gave the league a new direction I guess the results depends who you ask I think they've been kind of mixed that is true so there were a couple of teams already set to go when he took over in 1993, low these many years ago. Uh, but during his tenure, he set up expansion to Nashville, Atlanta, Minnesota again, after having relocated the North Stars to Dallas, <laughs> uh, Columbus, Winnipeg again, after the relocation of the original Jets to Arizona. Uh, but I think the sort of crowning achievement of his expansion, interestingly, weren't exactly in the South. I mean, Vegas is a warm weather team for sure, but I think the Vegas Golden Knights and Seattle Kraken are kind of the cherry on top of his expansion Sunday. Yeah, he, you know, when you think about how many more teams there are in the league now than when he took over, and I will say this, most of the teams have been more successful than not, but you know, you think about the Atlanta Thrashers, they you know are no second time the NHL has failed to take root in Atlanta. And I, I always think it should be a place that should have successful hockey. Uh, it should, it, it should, and yet both of those Atlanta teams never won a playoff series, and I think that may have something to do with the, the lack of uh everything sort of taking root. And then obviously the struggles in the desert uh, come to mind that's still ongoing as the Arizona Coyotes are now going to be playing in front of 5,000 fans at maximum. Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah, so that that's still an ongoing issue. But overall, the footprint of the league has increased dramatically. And most of the teams that he either had move or introduced have been more successful than not. 
Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, other than Vegas and Seattle, you can really point to Nashville as one of the biggest successes in terms of that non-traditional hockey market expansion. And he really believed in that team and that city. And it has been like such an incredible thing to watch. And, you know, they've just retired their first jersey with Pekka Rene. And I think that Nashville just is a stronghold in the NHL. And it has shown that through them getting awarded the All-Star Game and perhaps the draft next year. That's not official. But uh, I, I think that there have been some tremendous successes as far as the Coyote situation, I think, you know, as far as franchises go, that's the biggest blemish on his record, whether it's the bankruptcies, the NHL taking over the operations of that team, as well as the arena situation. I think that he is so dedicated to making that work that maybe he can't see the forest through the trees sometimes with it. Yeah. And I think some other people would have given up. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we won't know for another five to 10 years as to whether or not he gets proven right or wrong, but boy, there have been some issues there uh, with the uh, multiple arena issues and, and just sort of trying to find, a place for that team to really call home and really integrate itself into the sports culture of the area. Exactly. I think the other highlights for Gary Bettman uh, have to be the outdoor games and the big spectacular events. I think that's one thing that he really gets is putting on a show. And the Winter Classic and the proliferation of outdoor games, I think, has been a huge feather in his cap. I think so too. And, you know, having those events, it, finally, you know, speaking more as an American, I think having the, the outdoor games, especially New Year's Day, making that an annual event, finally on the American sports calendar, there is one event every year that you know belongs to the NHL, that, that you know, you pencil in New Year's Day, outdoor hockey and and it becomes a special event you know you always had uh you know christmas day belongs to the nba thanksgiving belongs to the nfl now you have a date that the nhl sort of you could circle it on your calendar it's always there it's always entertaining for hockey fans and setting that up and 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 expanding that footprint and and getting you know hockey games played in front of 60, 70, 80,000 people. It's pretty much, a, it, it's an accomplishment. It's an event. And I think they've done a pretty good job of not overexposing it. They've come close, but I think they've done they a, figured it out. I they think it. they found the balance, your heritage uh, classic, your, your, your one outdoor game besides the new year's day game in the United States. And then the new year's day game and no more than that. And you're pretty, pretty good. Yeah. And I think, you know, other events like World Cup of Hockey, getting the players back into the Olympics, although we did not have it this this time around, it certainly happened during his tenure as commissioner. I think another huge thing that Gary Bettman has accomplished is getting progressively bigger and more lucrative TV deals. Yeah. And, you know, the owners appreciate that. And 
you know, it's always a balance. It, it It's a tough situation. When you're the commissioner of the league, are you better off taking more money but getting less exposure initially? Or do you want the exposure with a little less money? How do you balance that out for the long run? Bettman has gotten more TV money with each subsequent uh, contract that he reached. And even though the deal with NBC, which was originally what on the Outdoor Life Network, as it was originally yeah. called, I mean, oh, it, it's gone and through it was like versus versus. And- yeah, it's gone through so many name changes. But, you know, even though OLN probably had very few people focusing on it on a regular basis at the time that the contract was signed. Over the long run, it ended up working out okay for the National Hockey League. So, yeah, I give I give Bettman credit for that without question. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I just think that that is the big, mostly good stuff that you'll find in his <laughs> legacy. Uh, we do have some things on the not so good side to talk about coming up next. But first, we're going to hear about Built Bar. Yeah, if you haven't tried Bilt uh, Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Bilt has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, like all Bilt Bars, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassles of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, but they pack a whopping 15 grams of protein. So run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat, or you could find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. And what's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. So Gary Bettman, I think has obviously that legacy of expansion on on the good side of things. On the bad side of things, I think the most obvious part of his legacy is three labor lockouts. So there was the first one in like the second year of his tenure in 94-95, which cut the season in half. There was the 0405 lockout, which we lost an entire season of the NHL, which was pretty unprecedented. Um, and then again, in 12-13, there was about half the season lost. Um, but he did get a salary cap for the owners. So I, I think that, you know, while these lockouts were brutal, uh, I think that the owners are ultimately happy with him. And that's been proven in him getting brought back as commissioner, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a very mixed feeling. The owners certainly are happy and their revenues are way up since he became commissioner. And they certainly appreciate that. And I think fans don't appreciate lockouts. Obviously, that takes away hockey and and, you know, we all go through hockey withdrawal and and miss the game. And uh, it, it just isn't the same without the highest 
level of hockey in the world. But, you know, I think as sort of a backdoor accomplishment, the bringing of the salary cap to the NHL was something that benefited the league in the long run in the sense that you have a lot more competitive balance now than you did, let's say, in the 70s and 80s when when I first started watching hockey. And you don't have, I mean, okay, you can't correct teams that are just managed poorly or run poorly, but there are a lot less teams in the NHL now that come, you know, December 1st, you're like, okay, there's no way that team is going to make the playoffs. It's over. And they still have 60 games left on their schedule. Maybe there's one team that that happens to per year at most. Whereas, you know, you go back to the seventies and eighties, the Colorado Rockies, the California golden seals, uh, the devils for a while, although, you know, they were the Colorado Rockies, but there were the Quebec Nordique at times. There were just teams that you knew before the season started, there was just no way. And they were going to lose games seven, nothing and eight to one. There's a lot less of that now as a result of the salary cap, the minimum salary. And you don't have situations where, uh, you know, I remember before the cap where the Rangers and the Red Wings would be spending 10 times more money than some of the smaller market teams. You don't have that happening either, but boy, those lockouts were painful. Boy, they were, uh, it was just a scorched earth policy to win the war. Yeah. It worked, but boy, it left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I think so. It's it's pretty incredible, I think, on Gary Bettman's part, where he managed to instill ire in everybody. Like everybody hated him during those lockouts. And yet he was able to successfully paint a picture of the players as spoiled millionaires who were asking for too much. And he got pretty much what the owners wanted. And so you do have to give him credit for that, even though the way he went about it was pretty awful. Yeah, uh, exactly. It, it, you don't like the method, but the results, uh, I think the fact that he's still there after all these years uh, mm-hmm. speaks for itself. The owners who employ him are very happy with the results that he's gotten them now. You know, part of the other thing is that there are a lot of Canadians who don't like the way he has de-emphasized Canada, moved teams out of Canada, not put a team back in Quebec City, which still does want a team. Um, And I think it rubbed a lot of Canadians the wrong way, as in, hey, this is our game. We we created this game. We founded this league. Uh, This is tradition, you know, and yet why won't you put teams back in Canada? Yeah, I I do think he has done a lot for the teams that are there uh, in terms of rev share help over the years. That was part of what came out of the second of the three lockouts. (laughs) And I do think that, especially more recently with the Heritage Classic and like having the draft in, in Montreal, um, I do think that he's trying to support the Canadian teams a little bit better, but I do still think that there's something missing there, especially in terms of 
exposure in the broadcasts of Americans to the Canadian teams as much, like in the highlight games, the weekly spotlight games. They need to get more Canadian teams in front of American eyes. Yeah, I think they they really do need to do that, but it's sort of a delicate balancing act because mm-hmm. your ratings are not going to be as high if the majority of the fan base is out of the country. So that is true. If you're showing New York against uh, you know Chicago, you have a lot more fans in those two cities watching. If you're showing Chicago against Calgary, there aren't as many Flames fans in the United States. There's no base there where you have you know, a few hundred thousand or a few million people in the United States who avidly closely say, yeah, the Calgary Flames are my favorite team. But then you get one of those chicken and egg things. Do you not have a lot of Flames fans because you never show the Flames on TV in the United States? Or do you not show them on TV in the United States because you don't think there's a lot of fans there to start with? It's almost like at some point you have to make that investment to grow the game And he's been a little reluctant in some ways to do it. It is the Connor McDavid dilemma. (laughs) There's also been, I think, a lot of other issues. And they've compounded so much recently that really show that he's, I think, a little out of touch on some things. And he's just towing the owner party line and being the businessman lawyer guy uh, that shows some insensitivity. And that's on the issues of concussions and CTE. It's on racism in hockey. It's uh, what happened with Kyle Beach and sexual assault discussions. It's, you know, lip service to the hockey is for everyone marketing plan that they have changed over the years in maybe a not so clear way. I think even in something as simple as the John Scott all-star game situation where he just like could not read the room on what was happening there and why. And so I, I do think that as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little more out of touch and, I do think that he's handled some of these things pretty poorly. I think that's true. But I I think, again, to put it in context, that is sort of part of a larger cultural war that's going on, for lack of a better way to put it, in North America right now and around the world right now. I think he has handled a lot of these situations poorly as far as sort of the what some people have described as a toxic culture in the sport that I think needs to be addressed in a more constructive way. But again, you're sort of, again, trying to walk that line between not alienating the fans you have and yet trying to include more people and bring them in. And it seems like, especially the way this country is so polarized right now, it's very hard to do both. You can, you, you, there there are ways to do it, but it's a very fine line that he has to walk. I agree with you. He could do these things a lot better. But uh, in the long run, I think either – I think it'll be his successor who probably ends up taking it to the next level in those areas. Yeah, I, I think so too. He's just a, a step behind, and mm-hmm. he's not in touch with – 
how the newer fans experience the game. And that there are some people in the organization that do, don't get me wrong. I just think like the leadership from the top and what he says at the semi-annual press conferences show that he's just not internalizing those things. And you know that he's met with, for instance, Black Girl Hockey Club representatives. There have been other discussions that he's had. And he isn't able to repeat what he's learned or what he has been taught in a way that makes at least me think that he really understands what's happening in the newer part of the fan base. And and it is a fine line, but I think there is a way to, to please kind of the old school fan and the new fan at the same time. Like there are creative ways to do that. I think fan art is a huge portion of things that aren't, Uh, taken into account the way it should and you know there's just so many things that they could be doing that are that they're not and I I think Gary Bettman kind of sets the tone for that and and that's where I think he's missed the mark I think there is a lot of truth to what you say and and I, I it may have to do with a generational thing where you know he's trying to learn he's he's trying to adjust but it's just not the way he was taught to think and it may be a little difficult for him to make that change or or to react in a in a constructive way with the change that's happening around him. Uh, we'll see if for the remainder of his tenure, he's able to adapt and grow. Uh, I'm not saying that's impossible, but I definitely do need to see more. And we are going to talk about a potential end to the Gary Bettman era and what we would like to see in the next commissioner coming up next. All right, Gil. So we do know that Gary Bettman is at least under contract for, I think, another five years coming up that just got renewed. It doesn't mean he's going to work all five of those years. He is about 70 years old. And, you know, there's a a lot going on that may require him to move on, uh, including several scandals that we've already talked about. But I think, you know, in terms of thinking about the future of the NHL and what we want out of a next commissioner, I I do think it would be a good thing. Uh, One of the things we haven't talked about is women's hockey. And I think he's done a pretty poor job of communicating what they want to do with women's hockey. And and I I think they have sort of dangled this carrot of we're not going to do anything until the leagues sort themselves out, but that doesn't, that's not helpful. It's really not helpful. Um, Women's hockey, I think, needs a definitive statement on what the NHL would like to do or if and how they would like to support the women's game more than than just exhibition kind of stuff. Well, you know, I always wondered about this and I, I am not a big NBA fan personally, but I do give the NBA credit for the creation of the WNBA and they could do a lot more to promote it. I'm not saying that what they do is perfect. But at least they are interested in growing that segment of the game and and to a certain extent, taking control of that growth and 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 putting themselves behind it. Uh, I would like to see the National Hockey League 
similarly get a league together and promote that league and work with that league in order to grow women's hockey throughout the United States and Canada. And even if it loses money initially, it's an investment that over the long run should pay dividends for the NHL and for the sport of hockey as part of our culture. Yeah, I mean, I fundamentally disagree with that. I think women's leagues can be successful without the NHL. I just think the NHL basically sitting on their hands is having a negative effect because other parties can't go forward with plans in a way that uh, they need to without having the NHL say they're in or out at this point. So I think they could start a league. I just don't think women's hockey needs the NHL. But that aside, I think as far as, you know, a next commissioner, I do think I would want somebody who was willing to take more risks in terms of marketing the league and using player personalities to a greater extent than Gary Bettman has done. Yeah, I, I would like to see that as well. And, you know, there's always sort of that risk. And I think baseball has a sort of similar attitude. They don't want to build the players up too much because they're afraid they'll ask for more money and, and all the focus will be there. But you know what? That's what sells tickets. And, you know, the, the higher profile that your star athletes have in the general culture, the more people are interested, the more people will will buy tickets and watch on TV, and that helps grow the game. So I agree with you. I would like to see more of that. Exactly. And then, you know, I think that Gary Bettman, obviously, as we've talked about, has had some poor responses to scandal or have had like very business-like lawyerly responses to scandal. And I think that there's a way to be empathetic in a, in a more constructive way while also maintaining whatever you need to say for the owners. I, I, I truly believe that. And I think that he could do a lot more. And so this is what I would want the next commissioner to, to be like, and that really show empathy and then be more responsive and talk about proactive things in a more concrete way. I think we would all like to see that. I mean, I guess, you know, hearing you say that, I think about, well, okay, what's Gary Bettman's background? Well, he's a lawyer and a businessman. So he's he's just doing what he knows. And I would like to see uh, the next commissioner be younger and be more responsive in those areas. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I think, you know, somebody who kind of does more walking the walk when it comes to hockey is for everyone and not just saying those words and pointing to, you know, this thing or that thing. You really have to look at it as a comprehensive program in terms of growing the game in marginalized communities, in doing things to make marginalized communities feel more welcome at the game. And again, I understand there's a delicate balance here with not wanting to alienate old school fans. But I, I just don't think that welcoming new fans, new kinds of fans, new expression of fans is something that you can avoid or that you should avoid. You should open your arms to these things. Yeah, look, I mean, we all know that out of the four major North American 
professional sports leagues, the NHL is not first, second, or third in popularity. So if you have an opportunity to grow the fan base and grow the game, by all means, this league should be focusing on that and doing as much as it can to do that. And you you really need to, to grow the demographics of the game uh, in, in order to get to that point. So yes, I would like to see more of that as well. Is there anything else you have on your list? Uh, no, I, I you've covered most of the bases uh, of the rather mixed legacy of one Gary Bettman. Yeah, we'll see how long he sticks around and you know what comes of all of the kind of latest stuff with Hockey Canada and how that affects the NHL. That'll be a big story to follow over the rest of the summer and I'm sure into the fall and and maybe next year too. But yeah. the, the legacy of Gary Bettman is complicated if you had to pick one word. Yeah, I think that's a very good word. And and uh, let's let's just say this. Uh, he will not be forgotten anytime soon. His, his legacy is a lasting one, both in good ways and in bad. Absolutely. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Gil is going to be back on Monday with his show checking in on local experts from teams around the league. We'll both be back next Friday to catch you up on any news and talk about big picture issues around the NHL. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. Gil is at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. Have a great weekend, everybody.